Girl, this one's not a comedy. It's not. Not a comedy, girl. You know what wasn't a comedy? And I can't believe you and Steve didn't tell me. That stupid Empty Nest episode of The Golden Girls? What the yes. hell was that about? Nobody warned me. For everyone catching up, I'm watching The Golden Girls from beginning to end. Just because, I, you know, they were always on. They're ubiquitous. But, like, I'm just starting from the beginning and watching an order. And I was yeah. like, what the hell? It was supposed to be a spinoff. And I looked it up. And it's, look, the gays did not like that episode. And they wanted us to know about it. So, anyway, something, something also that is not a comedy is that episode of The Golden Girls. <laughs> The gays did not like that episode. <laughs> I wandered into a corner of the internet where I was like, oh, okay, this is, wow. All right, this is a new journey for me. <laughs> um, You guys, before we get to the show, look, if you want some fun laughs, good times. Fun laughs, good times. Join us on the Patreon, you guys. Right now, we're in the middle of All Be Gone in the Dark, right? Yes. It's amazing. It's one of the best made things I've ever watched. Yeah, it's quite a journey. It's very well made, super hard to watch, but really, really well made. Yeah, it's all about the Golden State Killer, who like they've just identified like a few years ago, if you don't know about that case. But it's where we do our episode-by-episode stuff. So McMillions, Serial, Lacey Peterson, the Menendez murders to the staircase. The Jinx, Making a Murderer, Lorena, Natalie Holloway, Madeline McCann. You guys, we're in the process of compiling a full page on our website that's going to show you everything that we have, because I feel like we just, at this point, we can't remember it all. It's over 140 full bonus episodes episodes to download and binge right this second, you guys. Yeah, and we just say the same six over and over again. There's got to be more than that. Yeah. Like the same six series. Although Making a Murderer was 67 episodes, so who knows? <laughs> but it's ad-free versions of these episodes, after parties, corona check-ins. It's so much stuff, you guys. It's a party. It's a, it's an absolute party. Girl, anything from you this week? Nope. Nothing? Still nothing? Still nothing. Um, <laughs> You know, I had like a wellness day because I knew this was going to be a tough recording with I'll Be Gone in the Dark and Big Dan's just yeah, a lot of totally. triggery stuff for me today. So I just like really took care of myself. I'm actually feeling great. I know me too. But yeah, let's just do it. I feel like we've avoided it long <laughs> enough. We have to, we're at work. We have to just do our job. <laughs> All right, you guys, episode five, Big Dan's. Look, before we get started, can I say a couple things, please? Sure. So this takes place in New Bedford, Massachusetts. I know New Bedford, Massachusetts very well. I lived a year of my life in Fairhaven. You guys, this is the same area that I Love You Now Die took place in. So it's like oh, the New Bedford, okay. Fairhaven. It's all the same area. Here are my general notes. Number one, it is always gray. It looks like there's never a sunny day in, in New Bedford or Fairhaven. Well, you know you're speaking my language with that. You know I love that kind of weather. <laughs> But it feel well. It is, it's like a harbor town, and I feel like yes. harbor towns are never sunny. I feel like they're always yeah. nice and gray. The thing right? about New Bedford, and again, I used to live in the town right next door. Every time I go home to see my mother on Cape Cod, I drive through New Bedford. At the turn of the century, it was a huge whaling town. It was like a big, thriving city, and it's not really that anymore. It's a community, but it, it like we were saying in another episode, like its glory days are kind of behind it. Sure, especially right. now. Yikes! Which, I feel like the same could be said about me. Hey, it's my. <laughs> friend you're talking about. Me and New Bedford have a lot of things in common. A former whaling town. Our best days are behind us. Always kind of dreary. <laughs> 
<laughs> and anyway, my last note is that, like, is there a single person in New Bedford under the age of 60? Every time we see a shot of the street, it's like 60-year-old ladies wrapped really tightly in their, like, rain protective gear. Remember the rain, the plastic rain? Yeah, yes. absolutely. I know. Oh, I can God. see them now. <laughs> it looks like that has really deep roots in your family. I just, that's also a queen's, yeah, I, I, under, yes, I know just, that. I know that look. <laughs> I know her. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, to get us started, we get this like weird sort of intro where it's talking about like cameras in the courtroom. Are they good or are they bad? On After 8 this morning, cameras in the courtroom. The question of whether justice is served by the televising of trials. The issue of TV cameras in the courtroom is a hot one again. We have a debate over whether such coverage helps justice or harms it. Critics claim that such extensive coverage amounted to widespread voyeurism. And then somebody has the audacity to tell us that this was the first televised trial in like United States history. Girl, every single case we cover says that. Every single one of them. Pamela Smart. Yeah, uh, OJ. Yeah, they, they were OJ, all yeah. gavel to gavel, but because of the case that it was. So this is a, a very horrible trigger warning for everything. It's a gang rape. And it's pretty much what that movie, The Accused, with Jodie Foster. This is what that yes. movie's based on, essentially. I didn't see The Accused for obvious reasons. Um, sorry, Jodie Foster, you're lovely. I think is she lovely today? What's today? July thirtieth. <laughs> is she okay? I think she's lovely. She's really good friends with Mel Gibson, and she's like a defender. So I'm a little upset about. I that. I only have a very limited <laughs> capacity today. Mel Gibson, get out of here. All right, it's March 1983, and we get like honestly, they give us a nutshell of the case. Like it, it's some like radio thing where they're they're saying like this is what happened. Big Dan's Tavern in a working class Portuguese section of New Bedford. Police say there were 20 men in Big Dan Sunday night when the only woman left inside went to leave. One man locked the door. Another, according to police, threw the woman to the floor, tore off her pants and raped her. As the men in the bar watched and some cheered, three other men joined the original attacker, carried the screaming woman to a pool table and raped her over a period of two hours. No one helped her, no one called the police, no one left to get help. In my notes, I was like, these men should be burned alive. That's I, I would yes. fucking cheer for that. Speaking of yeah. cheering, for cheering, for anything, can it be these men being burned alive? Thanks. Dude. Am I asking for much? Am I asking? Am I reaching for the stars here? I just, it's really. But the thing that's like, again, I know that we, it's well established on this podcast that you don't have to have a daughter to care about women or a sister. Or I know that is well established. But as a father of a little girl, to hear this that no one helped her, no one called the police, and no one left to get her help is so... I don't even, I don't have words for it. Yeah, there, there are no words for it. They're all just the usual, like, it's the scariest thing. I mean, to put yourself in her position is the the absolute, like, it's the scariest thing that you can imagine. So yeah. now, let's hear from the townspeople. Why do we do this? <laughs> Especially when they say... Especially the fucking trash that is spewing out of these townspeople's oh mouths from 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 the word go. They're all assholes for the most part. Rape is a is a crime which is frequently charged by people that have not indeed been raped but uh, have consented and then for one reason or another uh, uh, become vindictive later. I know wonderful people in New Bedford. Most people everywhere are wonderful. You know what I mean? It's like it's just like these yeah. people ruining it for everybody else. It's a side effect of this gig, girl, that we just I focus <laughs> all the time on the work. If there was like this isn't like here's like the lovely townspeople of New Bedford. We wouldn't be covering it. It's not it's not a good fit for TCO. Not a good fit for the show. <laughs> Sometimes I forget what I do for a living. On the other hand, someone make that documentary totally. about the lovely people of New Bedford. Not totally. a good fit for us, though, unfortunately. Not a good fit. 
the life we've chosen. So, you know, the story is national news, right? And so we see a lot of the news coverage and like everyone is going bananas. And so in one of these news stories, the perps, these guys, these rapists are arrested and we get their names. Write this shit down, you guys. Police arrested Joseph Vieira of Connecticut and Daniel Silvia of New Bedford. Two other men, Victor Raposo and John Cordiero, were arrested later. So those four have been arrested, and they're also arresting the two spectators who, like, cheered them on and didn't do anything to help this woman. Those two guys are Virgilio Medeiros and Jose Medeiros, and they've all been arrested, and it's all over the news. Yeah, all six defendants. And I'm thinking, I thought there were 20 men in that bar. Exactly. Why are only these two spectators, how do we know that these two are the ones cheering? Like, there are other men that should be held accountable for this, and they're not. I know that, like, we're going to deal with this, but there's some part of me where it's like, weren't there more people who just didn't help? her like I just I can't get over and that was the thing like it was a local crime but what made it a national story was that it's horrible enough right but when people hear that like they were cheering that was something that struck a chord with pretty much everyone except for the garbage people who just want to be interviewed on television and and tell their garbage (laughs) point of view on the nightly news like great now I know who they are look out for them don't have to have them in my life don't need that toxicity thank you so much Um, but that was the thing hearing that it was like a party for these garbage fucking men like that really just made it like a really big deal, as it should have been. And so now we get the New Bedford backstory. New Bedford, while it's a city of 100,000, it's really a small town. It was dominated by fishing families, hardworking people. New Bedford, once a major whaling city, is now the largest fishing port on the East Coast. Fishermen are almost all of Portuguese descent. Portuguese Americans make up 60% of New Bedford. The most important thing we learn here is that it has a huge Portuguese American population, 60%. And not just Portuguese American, like Portuguese immigrants. Yes, yes. And so we meet Scott Charnas. Charnas? What do you think? Charns. I have Charns. Okay, I have lawyer Scott. Scott the lawyer. Right, let's go with, let's go with that. that. Names are really hard, you guys. We learned that the hard way with a recent Patreon episode where we misnamed one of the, my favorite murder ladies. Th- no, don't make it worse than it is. We- Karen and Georgia. We know that we know. We're not idiots. <laughs> yes. No, we know their names. I just said Kilgraf instead of Kilgariff. And I, when I die, that will go on wherever they spread my ashes. They're going to spread my ashes around a tree and someone is going to carve with a knife into that tree once mispronounced Karen's last name. And look, according to the DMs, there's going to be a long line of people People trying to trying to get their carve on. <laughs> anyway, we apologize. Let's move on. <laughs> Scott, the lawyer, is here, and Scott is the yes. victim's attorney. And so, right now, all we know is that the victim was 21 years old, and at the time, which, by the way, hit me like a piano. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. 21 years old. Not that there's a good age for this to happen to you at, but like 21. I know. Like, what does that even mean? That we're like, I know. Can you believe it? 21. Like, who cares? Like, but I know. I, I know, know that that know. that human condition. It's Part like, of it is that like. 21 for me is so far in the rear view that it's just like, oh, I was a baby. You know what I mean? Like, And also because we know this was like a life-defining moment for her in a bad way, and that happened so young. It's just awful. Yeah, and when you think about it, I'm just like, well, 21, that's a prime age. Bars, legal drinking age. Like, like, it makes so much sense. It's just the worst. So at the time, everyone wants to know who this woman is. By the way, girl, like, including me, like, I am I garbage for also being like, who, what? Like, I guess we're all watching Trial by media so we're all interested in this stuff you know like yeah yeah yeah. there's a lot of like self-reflection that's been happening with me with this stuff Uh where it's like i want to know who she is too well guess what stay tuned hold tight (laughs) (laughs) we'll get there we're gonna find out and so scott the lawyer tells us the story where he's like one day i got a call out of the blue from her uncle john and he said i just want you to talk with her 
I remember driving down to uh, New Bedford, uh, going to the part of town where she lived, which was sort of a working class area. I remember walking up the stairs and, and meeting her for the first time. I didn't know what to expect. She was just uh, an ordinary 21-year-old woman. This was such a big news story. Everyone in the country was talking yeah. about it. And nobody knows who she is, but now he knows. And so he's, like, walking up the stairs and he, like, goes into her living room. And, you know, she's 21 years old. She's been through this horrible tragedy. She's got two kids, like, two little small kids. Yeah. And she's just trying to get by. But she tells him what happened that night. She told me that it was in the evening. She had run out of cigarettes when she remembered that there was a bar on the way home that she could stop at the bar and perhaps get cigarettes. She saw a waitress there that she happened to know. The waitress sat down at a table with her. At some point, the waitress left the bar and she sat at the table to finish her drink. And when she got up to leave, somebody grabbed her from behind. That's when the, the events we described earlier in the episode happened. She tries to leave, and the rest we know. And at one point, Scott says she was able to free herself. Like, she got she got away, and she runs out of the bar wearing a pink sweater and nothing else. She flags down a car, and three men stop and help her. And all I can think of is, like, more men. Can you imagine, I like, know. the terror and fear of what the trauma she just went through, which is on a level that, like, we haven't even really, like, talked about yet on this podcast for all of our episodes? Well, I don't even know if we said that like she was it happened for two hours like this attack went on for two yeah, hours it, it was, it's so horrible and then for your only way out there's a car of three more men let's assume it was like three gay guys I don't know if that makes it better but I, I believe that maybe it would yeah let's hope I mean what I, yes I, I yes they saved the day always absolutely for the for the most part <laughs> and then but I'm thinking like just to put myself in her position where it's like a more met like that makes me want to like crawl into a shell like a turtle and thankfully they were not monsters and they see this woman in this condition and they're like uh we'll help you thank you and so after being told this story like scott says to her and i asked her are you sure you want to do this to see this through to the end and she said yes i do she wanted the world to be a better place for her daughters and i thought i'm probably not going to make any money from this but i want to do it for my daughter you know, I'm not going to make any money on this, which I thought was a weird thing to say, but okay. But he says, but I want to do it for my daughters. Yeah, I get why. Because how many lawyers have we met who are like, oh, I love the media. I love all this. You know, he took it pro bono. Like, yeah. I took that as like, just out of the goodness of his heart. Like, he just wants to help this poor woman and her family. Like, let's just do it. Well, that's why I would be the worst lawyer. Because I would never, I wouldn't make a dime. <laughs> oh, oh, I thought, I thought you were going to say, I'd be the worst lawyer. Because I'd be like, okay, so my rate is. Right. No. That would make you the worst oh lawyer. <laughs> In your heart, it would make you the worst lawyer. No, I would be, yeah, I. there's just no way I could ever do a job where helping people was how you made your money because, like, I would just want to help the people who, like, needed it the most. Isn't that how it should be, girl? We would be in the poorhouse if we had a law firm. We would get We would get so much done, but, but we'd have no money with which to do it, which now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, we talk about people like this all the time, like the Innocence Project and all these people, and I'm, I'm talking about it like it's this unattainable thing. People do it all the time. Right. Not for us. Not really our, our Her name is Rapia Chaudhry. She's our dear 100%. friend. <laughs> Smells amazing. So, okay, okay, okay. This was the part upon the second watching of this that I like. I was like, you can't write everything in 37-point font because this will be a 90-page document. Okay. But we meet Liz Bennett of the New Bedford Women's Center, to which I said, why do we live in a world where a job like this has to exist? I can't believe it. She is sitting here explaining to us that women don't ask to be raped. People 
ask to ask for sex, but people do not ask to be raped. People don't understand what rape is. Liz Bennett the is the head of the Rape Crisis Center in New Bedford. It it's like saying that somebody asked to be robbed or mugged or uh, murdered. You know, people don't ask to be defiled, degraded, humiliated. We live in a world where we need somebody to have a job to explain the difference between women enjoying sex and women asking to be raped. Girl, we live in that world. I know. Can you tell, like, do you know, like, my experience is that I'm just like, I know, isn't it awful? Aren't you tired? Aren't you exhausted by this? I know. I know. I feel, again, I feel like as a man, like, every time I watch this, it's a fucking education. I know. Which is why women are so fed up with us, girl. Yeah, I, I, let me tell you, we are. And so Liz, she says it in a great way, but I'm like, wow, people are idiots if they're like, oh, really? Right, but here's right. the thing. This is the beginning. We meet a lot of badass women here doing the work. And yeah. this is, like, the beginning of that. And I love all of them. And can I just point out that almost all of them live in New Bedford. Almost all of these women live and work in New Bedford. This is the kind of fucking awesome people who live there. You yes, know what I mean? Absolutely. It's like yeah. four rapists and two guys who like cheered on the raping is a very small minority. I just want to point out that like New Bedford, working class town, amazing people live there. It's not just rapists, you guys. Of course. Yeah. All of these things yeah. can be true at the same time. Absolutely. So we meet Deborah Robin. She's the co-director of the New Bedford Women's Center. She's with us today and we yeah. see like footage of her then and now and she's like, here's the thing. What I thought was very important was actually that there was community conversation and dialogue. It was important to hear what people thought, even if it was painful, because we can't, you know, change opinions without knowing what people actually think. We can't change opinions if we don't know what the people think. And I'm like, girl, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> you know, because you know why, girl? We got to go back onto the street. We're talking to the town people. And a woman, a, wom- a woman, a woman, a woman says. A man only rapes a woman if she wants it. Now, if she goes to a bar and comes on to the guys, what do you expect? A man only rapes a woman if she wants it. I, I have to go. I Bye. Know. I know, I know. Done. Anyway, call me next week, girl. It was really fun talking Thank to you, you today. Okay, glug, bye. Glug, 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 glug. <laughs> the one week I take off drinking. God. I, <laughs> I mean, and then we meet this other local lady. She says, I don't think they should have done what they did. But if she, if she did ask for it, they should have just left her alone. I don't think they should have done what they did. But she did ask for it. Even if she was asking for it, they should leave her alone. I, I know, I, I know, I, I know. I don't... Mm. So we get all of our, like, fabulous women activists who are like, girl, we gotta do something. Like, we don't know who this girl is, but we gotta show her that we support her. And so, like, within a couple days, they organize this rally, and they show video of this rally. 2,500 people turned out to protest the gang rape of a 21-year-old woman in a bar in the fishing town of New Bedford. Organized as a silent vigil, feelings of fury could not be contained. 2,500 women are chanting no more rape, to which I said, this feels like an Amy Schumer sketch. It doesn't feel real. The fact that 2,500 women have to get together and scream at the top of their lungs, no more rape, feels like something- It feels ridiculous to you. Like, it feels like, why are we here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even hearing the words, no more rape, like, that's something, we have to say that? Yeah. That's something that has to be articulated? You sure, today, you're late for the rally. What the hell are you doing here? We gotta do, every day we have to be screaming about this. Every day. I know. But to be fair, like this woman, Darlene, who's an activist and she's with us and she says like, When I stood up to speak, I looked out at the sea of faces and there were people as far as I could see. I realized we had done something big. This is a lot bigger than the city of New Bedford. It was overwhelming. 
I'm like really moved by this. They're saying like our yes. diversity is our yes. strength. Our unity is our power. There's so many people. And like she says like, oh shit, we're kind of onto something here. Because when things like this happen, it's absolutely horrible. It just also gives room for if all eyes are on this case, then some eyes are going to get on those protests and those rallies. And that's really, really important for these activists. So all six of the men who were charged were all Portuguese immigrants. And this becomes a big deal. The media really gloms onto this. Four men, all Portuguese nationals, were in court this week, charged with a rape. The six defendants, Portuguese immigrants, plead innocent. The media kept talking about the fact that these were Portuguese immigrants. Why keep mentioning the fact that they're Portuguese? Because it had nothing to do with us. This sort of becomes the story. Like, the fact that these men are Portuguese immigrants becomes the story. And, like, we start hearing from all of these people in the community who are Portuguese. Remember, New Bedford is 60% Portuguese. Why do they have to say that? Why do they have to keep pointing it out? Like, that is going to really be bad for us. Right. And the reason is there are people calling, like, the local radio stations being like, you know what? This isn't Portugal, okay? They're really great at painting houses, but they don't learn the law of the land. That's a quote. They buy a, a broken down house. They fix it up beautifully. They do do all these nice things, but they don't try to learn the law of the land. They don't try to become involved in the community. They contribute nothing to this country. They don't understand our ways, nor do they want to understand that this country is not like Portugal. Ma'am, tell me two things about Portugal. You know Portugal so well? Tell me two things about it. The only thing I know is that it's not safe to take your kids there on vacation. That's Madeline McCann, <laughs> right? I was going to say, why do I know Portugal? Why do I know Portugal? And, and now it starts to get worse. Because at first, everyone thought this was a horrible story. They had so much sympathy for the victim. But then there was public backlash. And who's here? Phil Donahue? On March 6th of 1983, a woman walked into Big Dan's Tavern. And what happened after that is as in all these cases, in some dispute right now. You guys, okay, I made this note in glaring gay pride letters. America, we need to have a talk about Phil Donahue. I know you- Everyone sit down. Everyone, Everyone pull over. <laughs> just, can we just have a week? We're going to have a talk. It's a little bit of an intervention. Everyone gather around. It's one million percent an intervention. You guys, Americans want to remember Phil Donahue as like this great American talk show host. Like, you guys, Phil Donahue was trash. I'm going to say it. People want to compare him to Oprah and they don't compare him to Jerry Springer and he was way more Jerry Springer than he was Oprah. Are they really comparing him to Oprah? I'm just always shocked when he's here in some kind of like serious capacity but is that a thing? I, <laughs> Were people comparing Phil Donahue to Oprah? Yeah I think that people think of Phil Donahue and Oprah Winfrey and then the other ones like Jenny Jones, Jerry Springer. That's insane. That is ridiculous. I quit. I, know. I quit that I know. argument. <laughs> I'm not I'm not engaging it at all. Here, and here's, all, here's what you need to know. We're watching the Donahue show for some stupid reason. And, and Also he doesn't give his guests chairs. They're all sitting on like blocks why oh, give him a chair give me a chair with a back on it what are you a, a monster i will not I, no i will not be on your bullshit talk show on a stool can i just say the thing that makes me so mad about the donahue show is that donahue doesn't understand that whether he agrees with it or not by merely saying what he's about to say he's putting it out into the world right and so donahue is trying to do that fox news all sides blah blah bullshit where he says did she ask for it what was she wearing? Why was she alone? 
Did she know anybody in the bar? Does that matter? Some people have asked, did she ask for it? What was she wearing? Does that matter? And just by saying it, mm-hmm. you make it matter. You right. make it matter. You put When it doesn't. Right. You right. make that part of the conversation. Right. You know? And that's what I'm saying. And he knows that. He's just trying to get a reaction out of people. And he gets it with this piece of shit, this horrible, this like truly horrible human being. He stands up. Because let's hear what, again, what the audience of Phil Donahue has to say about these questions really these real critical thinkers you see this guy in another shot he's wearing sunglasses because like I guess he doesn't want anyone to know he went to the Phil Donahue show except he takes them off and says things like this when's rape you know you gotta maybe she went in and wanted to lay a couple guys and it got out of hand I don't know you know it happens hammered. I think he's slurring his words, girl. Yeah, because he's like, well, come on. When is it rape? Maybe she wanted to go and lay a couple guys. You know what happens. And I, first of all, lay a couple guys. Number one, what the hell do you know about getting laid? That's question number one. (laughs) What the hell do you know about getting laid, you piece of shit? But then, Mm -hmm. thankfully, me, from another life, gets up and starts fighting with him. This is the sort of thing that causes rape. When people like you can stand up. You know the story? I don't know the story. I know the story. Well, then you should read the paper. I seen girls do this. Yeah, but don't get crazy now. We're here to learn. She's like, excuse <laughs> you. Go fuck yourself. I know. And he was like, well, you know, I, uh, I don't really know the story, actually. And she's like, read the paper. I know. The women in this audience, like, again, you just see the women in this audience are like, we've been dealing with this for centuries. And then, and then he does one of my grammatical pet peeves. I know we haven't spoken about grammar in a long time, but he's like, hey, look, I seen girls do this. Yes. I seen girl. It makes my skin crawl. I seen it. You had to actually look away from the phone when you said I it. Couldn't. You couldn't even look at yourself in the face when you I said couldn't. that. And my FaceTime is so small, but I couldn't do I it. Know. And also, no, you haven't. No, you, like grammatically, no. like I, I seen it. No, you have. You've never seen it. No, You're just saying stupid shit so that you could say, hey, "Did you see me on freaking Donahue over there?" I don't know why he's from Bensonhurst now, but whatever. I know that Phil Donahue married Marlo Thomas, and we love her. We love her children's album. I, sure. Free to be you and me all day, every day, you guys. Go ahead. But we gotta stop letting Phil Donahue off the hook, you guys. We gotta start heraldoing this guy. We gotta take him down. You know what? Let's lead that charge. I know we're busy. Yeah. We have a lot of shit we're screaming about. <laughs> Like, stop raping. Like, I know. I totally understand. A lot of really complicated things like stop raping and stop murdering. (laughs) I I get how those concepts are very, very hard for people. It's stop abusing, stop kidnapping. I mean, clearly, it's very, very difficult. Like, obviously, we know first it's very hard. I'm going to move some stuff around on the plate. I'm going to move some shit around. And I'm going to fit this. Let's stop with the Phil Donahue stuff. It's got it's I'm making a little bit of room for it. We got a Geraldo, this guy, you guys. But we need your help. Now it's a telethon. We need your help, listeners at home. Do not normalize Phil Donahue. Like, stop. No. And I'm not saying he was all bad, but we can't let shit like this slide, girl. I know. You can't actively be putting what was she wearing into the conversation. Phil Donahue says, what was she wearing? It doesn't matter. Sometimes, I've been meaning to tell you this, sometimes your queens comes out and you don't even know it. Now, sometimes your queens is coming out in me. Yeah, that's what happened. When people are like, oh, you don't sound like you're from New York. And I'm like, okay. Just wait. Get me mad and give me a Pinot Grish. And then see what happens. Sometimes Michael will be like, what? Well, I'll be like, oh, Oh my God, that was awesome. And he's like, it was what? <laughs> I know. That I hear it in the edit sometimes and it's my favorite thing. It's when you get either really excited or really angry. It's always my favorite. You know, I'm proud of it. Okay, so we're heading into the trial for the rapist. And girl, we gotta take a second to talk about this goddamn judge for this trial. Everyone, William Young, the judge, is here. You guys, this judge, this piece of shit judge, he is working really hard to disguise his piece of shitness. <sighs> and I'm not falling for it, girl. So... 
okay, the media asked him if they could film <laughs> the trial. Yeah. And this was all brand new. It was the first televised yes. rape case and like specifically right. this. And he had, a, he said, yes, but there are some rules. Great. What are the rules? I required that if they were going to film, there be a single camera and they would film every day, every piece of evidence start to finish. Yes, you can come in, but you only had to have like one camera. You had to film everything from start to finish because he's all for transparency. I think that's great. Like he's saying you can't pick and choose. You have to show all of the evidence, which I think is like that shows foresight. Right. But what no one is thinking about. Yes. You know, it, it had to have a true public benefit. Fine. But all I'm thinking is this poor woman. She she's gone through so much and now she has to go through this, too. Did anyone ask her? And I was thinking, too, like, wait, that means she's going to be on camera. It works out that she isn't they still fuck it up but like yeah the idea of protecting this woman's anonymity is not on anybody's mind right so february 23rd 1984 the trial begins the defense attorneys for the for the six men on trial one edward harrington and judith a woman i know i know a woman is on that defense team and i'm like of course probably in these idiot dirtbags minds the best thing they could possibly do is get a woman each one of these defendants has their own lawyer so just think about that there's like a couple people on the prosecution team and like 9,000 people on the defense. It's bananas. For the sake of, of like painting a picture as as we used to yeah. say, each defense lawyer, because the thing is the prosecution has to prove their case. The defendant doesn't have to prove anything and that right. we, we have to remind you of that because the thing is all six of these men, you have to hear six opening statements. Right. Six lawyers basically saying she was asking for it, which is what Judith, this defense attorney, we hear her saying it. Women have a responsibility by their words and by their behavior to say no. I can't believe what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing. I can't believe it. Because what the defense's argument is, is that this was consensual. But how shitty do you have to be to be like, you know what, you know who I'll defend? Those rapists. Like right, what? Right. Because one of, another <laughs> stupid man, I'm so sick of men. Yeah, another stupid man gets up there and he's like. I suggest we've all had the experience of going to a party and having someone come up to us and say, it's a full moon out. I think I'm gonna act a little crazy tonight. Oh look, it's a full moon. Think I'm gonna act a little crazy tonight. I just have what is happening. I know. David Waxler is the attorney, you guys, and he's remembering that one night that he made out with a man in college. That's what he's talking about. Right, and he blamed it on the full moon, please. Full moon does a lot of things. <laughs> oh wait, have you gotten to the Moonlight Madness episodes of the Golden Girls yet? It's a two-parter. And it's a crossover with Empty Nest. Oh my god, I'm so excited. No, oh. no, because Empty Nest the pilot just failed. I'm still I'm still a while away. <laughs> My favorite episodes. But, like, of course, these opening statements are getting all of this national press. It's bananas. It was incredible to see the amount of media near the Fall River Courthouse. I mean, it was it was a little bit nuts. Cable television is providing live courtroom coverage of a rape case. There's been a very public rape trial going on in New Bedford, Massachusetts. So now all these people are testifying. The police officers are testifying, saying she was traumatized. She was terrified. They have to prove that she wasn't really that drunk. Like, yeah. you're watching this and you're thinking, this looks pretty good for her. And she also had a bluish bruised print of four fingers on the inner part of her left thigh. Look at that face. Yes, I did. And what did you see on that face? Fear. I've never seen anybody that scared in my life before. 
everyone is saying what you think is kind of the right thing, but they're not faking it. Like the the cops yeah. are like, no, dude, she was like traumatized. Like this happened. We believe her, which is very rare to hear. I have to say. I totally, totally. You know, we're we're cutting back and forth from like watching the trial to like the local bars in New Bedford where they're also watching the yeah. trial. We get to talk to more of the townspeople, you guys. We meet this one guy who I'm going to assume is a heterosexual who says, I love General Hospital, but I haven't seen it since the case began. He loves watching General Hospital normally, but he hasn't turned it on since the trial is on because that's the soap opera he's watching instead. Can you imagine? Like, to say that out loud and then just be like, hey, uh, hey, Paulie, you see me on uh, 6 o'clock news last night talking about General Hospital? Do you know what it made me think of? This was a real thing that was happening for a while in like 2010 to 2013. There was like a lot of like gay stuff happening in the news where like gay marriage gets passed and like gay adoption is like illegal in all 50 states and the sodomy laws are getting struck down. Oh, oh, that kind of gay stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just want to make sure I'm following. (laughs) That kind of gay stuff. Okay. Totally totally understand. Like like, I'm following. Every time something amazing would happen and it was happening like month after month after month, the news would run down to Stonewall at like two in the afternoon sure. where they would get what we would call like the 50-year-old Stonewall drunk gays Great. who like had no idea. The news is not on a Stonewall at two in the afternoon, you guys. But the news is like pounding on the door looking for a quote and you always get this like octogenarian drunk gay man at the bar being like, what are you talking about, girl? Hi. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. They did it. Finally. They did it. Oh, in oh, the microphone? Okay. I know. It was just like, why are we talking to these people at a bar at two in the afternoon? It doesn't make any sense. I know. It's horrible. Wait, you know what? I can't. We have to. Can we just take a breath? Because this John Cordero asshole is on the stand. This whole conversation. Yes. Again, oh pull over if you're dry. And I mean it. This is this <laughs> is like <laughs> so enraging. I can't like I I have a clenched fit. I'm I like know. I have nail marks in my palm because of how I'm clenching my fist. He's one of the rapists. Yeah, he's one of the rapists. And really pull over. We'll wait. Turn, turn us down and pull I over. I want to hear guys. the. OK, you got the blinker. <laughs> Right. Put your arm around the passenger seat if you have to look. That's what you drivers do, right? You people who drive <laughs> very far. You guys, hand. give your kid the iPad for a second. Let, let, don't let them listen to this. Yeah, and, and, and roll the windows all the way up because you're going to be screaming. <laughs> all right, let's go through it. So John gets up on the stand. I'm inviting and I said, you going to give a blowjob? She started laughing. I said, you ain't going to bite it, are you? She just looked at me and laughed, right? So I took it out. I put it like it went down to the side of her mouth. I brought it back. She opened the mouth and took it. Yeah, I went right up to her. And he thinks this is all okay, by the way. Just for context, like he thinks this is proving that he did nothing wrong. Just let that sink in. This is is his own defense. And he's saying, look, I did nothing. But here's what I did. And it was nothing. He went up to her and he just asked her, you going to give a blowjob? And she starts laughing. Let me tell you, she's laughing for her life. She's laughing because if she laughs, maybe he'll go away. I'm telling yeah. every woman has done this once in their life. Ha <laughs> yeah. She is laughing for her life. So she starts laughing. He takes that as like, oh, she's super into this. Spoiler, we're never into it when we laugh like that. Never. We're never, we're not, not once, not, yeah. you know a real laugh. The laugh she did is never. <laughs> and he's like, oh, you're not going to bite it, are you? I'm like, what a fucking charmer this guy is. You're not going to bite it. I know. And then he goes, she just looked at me and laughed. Again, not consent, laughing for yeah. her life. Then, again, he says, she didn't say a word. He All he's saying here is that she's laughing he doesn't say that she said yes he doesn't say that she said an actual word then he's like yeah so i took it out (gasps) oh my god he took his peen out then he goes i tried to put it this is so bad you guys i'm sorry mom if you're listening he tried to put it (laughs) hi barbara hi barbara tried to put it in her mouth once it didn't 
happen. Yeah. Then he tried again and quote, she took it. Now, a normal, you listeners, TCO listeners, you know what we're saying here. (laughs) I didn't hear consent in a sing. I heard a lot of bullshit and a lot of rape and a lot of horribleness. I didn't hear consent once. Did you? No. Great. The answer is no. Everyone, the answer is no. I'm going to answer for you. Don't worry about it. I got it. I'll write you a note. The answer is no. And then we're back to the townspeople who were like, I don't call that rape. But it was right for them to do that? To a certain extent, yes. Why? Because she asked for it. Maybe the girl is supposed to go to jail too. Enough evidence there to say that she's the, she's the guilty one. She should be put away too. This asshole's like, I wouldn't call that rape, honestly. Like, she totally asked for it. <gasps> oh my God, I know. People, And then we get people saying, oh, and, and you know, yeah, those men should be in jail, but put her in jail too. She should be locked up with them. It is unbelievable. Do you know one other thing, not to change the subject too drastically, yeah. but one other crazy thing that happens, they're on the street and they're like, they're talking to one of those like dirtbag townspeople. Yeah. In the background, you see an awning of a building that says 151 Borden Place. You guys, this is the town where Lizzie Borden lived. Oh, nice. I mean, uh, horrible. I just, you know, like historically, like, wow, that's a historical place. That's how I meant it. Now, my question is, how did we get here? Like as a society, like how did we get to the point where you hear this man, this piece of shit, describe what he described and then say she kind of asked for it. And, you know, while we're at it, throw her in prison with them. I don't understand. Like, how did we get here? Like, where can we pinpoint what happened? Is it just has it always been like this? Because it feels like it's always been like this from the beginning of time. It feels like this has always been the way. Like, did we ever have a yeah. fighting chance, I wonder? I don't know. Did I we ever have a shot? Maybe we do now. What do you think about maybe now? We'll see. I mean, I, I, yes, I need to get up in the morning. Yes, I need to think we have a fighting shot. But it real, uh-huh. it really feels like this is just it. Is this just it? Is it it? Is it happening? Oh, no. Is this it forever? Not if we have anything to say about it, girl. We're in That's this very two true. together. So now, you guys, get ready. The victim is going to take the stand. And so, you know, everyone is saying they knew that, like, taking the stand was going to have a huge, profound impact on her life. And remember, the judge had allowed cameras in the courtroom, but they were not allowed to take pictures of her. But everyone is saying, like, this is where we start. We didn't really think this through. They couldn't take photographs of her in the courthouse. But in terms of the parking lot and whatnot, that might be a different thing. We gave her this big, floppy hat. It was a way of protecting her identity right up to the very time when she entered the courthouse. They put her in this like big fur coat and this big floppy hat. And I'm like, I'm one of those dirtbags. Like, I remember this case. I remember it. And I do not know her name. I didn't know what she looked like. And I was like, I want to know who it is. I want to know what she looks like. I know I'm part of the problem, girl. I see you as a problem. I raise you a bigger problem. <laughs> okay, great. Because the floppy hat <laughs> I, is all. Thank you for I feel very seen by you as a problem. No problem. I really I always mean, have. Well, thank you. That was a poor. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> Wink. So the floppy hat's all well and good, I guess. What, no, what right. they failed to realize is that, remember how the judge was like, hey, friends, you got to air all of it for full yeah. transparency. Yes. What the floppy yes. hat isn't going to protect is that when she takes the stand, she has to say her name and where she lives. You guys- her name and her address are broadcast to the world. I could scream. Nobody thought about this. Please tell us your name. Cheryl LaRujo. Might you spell your last name? A-R-A-U-J-O. When the woman involved took the stand, cameramen were not allowed to photograph her. And while the woman's face was not shown, her name and address were heard by the audience. So it cuts 
to the judge and he's like... The fact that her name was immediately disclosed, honestly, must be laid at my door. It, it was my mistake. And I regret it extraordinarily. Actually, girl, that's that's on me. That was my fault. And like the judge is here to take responsibility for it. But I'm still like, you guys, every single the first thing they ask you in a trial is state your name and your address. Like it's the first fucking thing. How did nobody think of this? And it's like it cuts to all the lawyers. The lawyers didn't think of it either. Nobody thought of it. it. Because there wasn't a woman on her legal team. And the only woman that was on the side of the law, so to speak, was on the defense. So she wasn't gonna try to protect her. Yeah. So her name is Cheryl Arujo, and everyone knows that now. The world knows and the world knows where she lives. And that made me so terrified for her because this was tearing the community apart. And we're seeing people, men in bars saying, let's lock her up too. I hate that phrase now, but. And she's got two kids. She's got two small children. Yeah. One of whom is sickly. I can't. It makes me crazy. And so we hear her testimony. We hear her voice. How old are you? 22. When were you born? Uh, March 28, 1961. Where were you born? New Bedford. Where were you raised? New Bedford. I'm sure she had to, like, explain what happened to her 850,000 times that day. At least six, because there were six defendants. So at least six times. And then, like, the cross-examination happens. And this is another thing where they're like, you know what? We prepped her for us questioning her. We never really prepared her for cross-examination. They say... She didn't really understand anything about cross-examination. The defense attorney does not have to prove anything. The defense attorney is interested in disproving some of the evidence that may be offered. She was had no idea what that was going to be like. They didn't tell her. Right. And so all of a sudden six lawyers, five of whom are men. I can't decide which is worse. The men yelling at her or the woman. I don't know. Right. Because now she's on trial. Isn't it fair to say that whenever you don't want something to come up, you just say, I don't remember. Isn't that true? That is not true. Had you been taking any drugs or medication uh, prior to uh, going big dance that night? Afterwards? No. Before? Before? No. Marijuana? No. Have marijuana in the house? Do I have it in my house? Did you have it? No. There's no other word for it. She is completely like they just rip her apart. They put her on trial. They vilified her. And our friend Darlene, the activist, is horrified by this. And let me just say, this is why we don't press charges or report things. This is why. Yes. Like, here's a televised example of why we don't say anything. Not to mention all the lies that were told about her in the press. And that's the nature of something that's so televised. So what kind of public benefit is this doing, really, I wonder? So we're at the closing arguments. And Judith, the woman defense lawyer, is basically like screaming at the jury to use your gun. God-given common sense about how this isn't rape. Ladies and gentlemen, will I ask you, not by sympathy, but by your God-given common sense, to return a verdict of not guilty. Fuck you, Judith. How about that? I mean, my (laughs) God-given common sense is saying that this is rape. I got the Italian hands. That this is rape no matter which way you slice it. I don't care. She walked in for cigarettes. She met her friend. Her friend left first and this horrible thing happened to her. I don't care if she walked in there. I don't care what she was wearing. I don't care. I know. I don't care. She didn't want it enough. No. A million percent. Yes. So the jury deliberates. They come back. The spectators, Virgilio and Jose, the ones who were cheering and did nothing to stop it. Only two of the men who were cheering and did nothing to stop it. They were acquitted. And I'm enraged. I was enraged and I was really, I didn't know how this ended. I didn't And either. I was very nervous. Because this is episode five. Every other episode, like everyone gets off pretty much. I like know. everyone, like I'm just waiting for yeah. the even worse news. And then, however, the four rapists were found guilty. Thank you, 12,266, Commonwealth of Massachusetts versus Daniel C. Silva. How do you find the defendant guilty or not guilty? Guilty. Guilty of what? Aggravated rape. <laughs> 
the women are cheering, the feminists are cheering. I'm sobbing yeah. watching this. These assholes are found guilty. And I'm like sitting here in my feelings, but then all hell breaks loose outside the courthouse. I don't have a minute. I don't have a minute to myself to cry about this before all it's a it's a circus out there. It's a melee. There was a large angry crowd that had developed outside of the courthouse. The anger spilled over into the parking lot outside the courthouse, where police quickly subdued those threatening the news media. And they say again for the 90th time, you know, we really didn't think ahead. Ooh, you know, we didn't think of... We didn't realize that there would be a lot of people who were really upset about this verdict. We see these people coming out of the courthouse. They are throwing themselves down the stairs. They are punching cops. They are kicking cars. They're attacking the judge. Yeah, yes. The four cops who were on duty that day are trying to get the lawyers out of Dodge before they get murdered. And, like, we have footage of it. Girl, I love documentaries. I know. I love that we get to, like, see this fucking crazy footage. Yeah, and to be clear, the rape apologists are mad. That's who's... So upset. The rape right, apologists exactly. are so mad that that the four of them were convicted because, you know, the max sentence is life. So sorry. But, I know. I, you know, joke's on me in a minute. So right. here, here's, a, here's, here's a twist, though. Yeah. So the Portuguese community, who was so upset that everyone was lumping them in with rapists, like saying, we're not all, like, not all Portuguese people, which is absolutely true. Now, right. suddenly, they are siding with the rapists, saying that yes. the sentences are racist. And now they're protesting and not accepting the guilty verdict because these men are Portuguese. Their words, not mine. Yeah. And this, this woman is like... The whole Portuguese community has been put in trial and it is unjust look the whole portuguese community has been on trial and i'm like nope just those six dudes right. just those six have been on trial like yeah. like literally like actually just those six i don't know and like these women are just like what we're doing here today is just the beginning we are opposed to rape but we cannot let immigrants be the scapegoats Immigrants can't be the scapegoats, but when they did it, they have to be found guilty. I literally wrote, right, but they raped that woman. Right, so this has just become something so much bigger, and I will never understand it, but, like, they now, remember remember in the first rally with the feminists, and they were like, no more rape, and we thought that was ridiculous, because it just seems so clear, and so, like, why do we need to be chanting this and putting it on signs? (laughs) The rape apologists are chanting, she wanted it. Yeah, so basically, Cheryl, like, she can't stay in New Bedford. She's been there her whole life. She's got two kids there. But, like, the community is torn apart. She is totally scapegoated by her own community. And she's got to go. And she ups and moves to Miami, Florida. Yeah. And she was really, really struggling to get her life together. And and tragic. But she was trying, too. Yeah, you know what was. I mean? Like, she went to secretarial school. She's raising two kids on her own. Like, this is where this shit, like, rips my heart out. Because I can't imagine raising one kid on my own, let alone two, let alone being super poor and having just relocated to a place where I have no support system. Right. I don't know anybody. I mean. And she was she was self-medicating, you know, which yeah. of course she was like, uh, like, of course. And so she's she's really struck. She's trying really hard and she's really struggling. And tragically, she dies in a car accident at 25 years old, just like two years after she took the stand. I got a phone call from her boyfriend. He told me that she was driving a car and it hit a telephone pole. She had been drunk and he told me that she had died. 
in the documentary, they say she was drinking, that like she got drunk and she crashed into a telephone pole. I did a little side googling online and I don't know that we know that that is for sure mm-hmm. what happened. We don't know if it was a possible suicide or if it was just a tragic accident or if it was a tragic drinking and driving. We don't really know right, the right. intention. I don't know what happened to her kids. I, I would like to know that her kids are okay. Yeah. Like who, I don't know who raised the kids after that. And the thing is, that's the point. Like her death was barely reported, but people were finding entertainment and like sink, thinking this trial was a soap opera. And that's like, why yeah. don't we know more about what happened to her? It's the same thing. Like a school shooting happens. Everyone cares about it for two weeks. I took a little bit of issue with the end because they say in the end that like. Wasn't easy, but she stood up. And uh, in the end, she was forgotten. In the end, she was forgotten. And I I don't agree with that. Like, I remember her. I remember this case. I didn't know a lot about the case, but I remembered it. I remember that this woman had this horrible thing happen to her and she fought it. I remember that. She's not forgotten. She's remembered. Right. You know, I remember her. Yeah. I think what they're they're trying to hit the point home that like, because here's the ending ending, right? In 1989, three years after her death, the four men who were convicted of rape were released from prison. Not a single one of them served any more than six six years so they get to live their stupid shitty lives and she died tragically because of what these men and like the media did to her yeah like oh fuck that (laughs) (laughs) period end of sentence We did Trial by Media episode five. Oh my God. I, I gotta tell you, like, this series is fucking great. Don't you think? It's really good. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. I accidentally watched the next one thinking we were recording that this week. So I can tell you. That's stupid Blagojevich, right? It's about Blagojevich. You guys, it's a, it's another great episode. If you don't remember Rod, it's not Rob. Nobody knows his name. Apparently Rob. it's Rod Get with a, a D. Get a grip on yourself. <laughs> he was the governor of Illinois who got busted trying to sell Obama's Senate seat. Remember that? Which is like, how do, like, Robbie, how do you sell it? I mean, I I, I will learn next yes, week. Yes, it's a it's a fascinating tale. So that's next week. We're wrapping it up, you guys. Um, You guys, if you want fun, laughs, good times, join us on the Patreon. It's where we do our series. Everything you've ever wanted us to cover from like Tiger King to the staircase to Don't F with Cats, Making a Murder, the whole deal. It's over 140 full bonus episodes to download a binge right this second. Yeah, and after parties, ad-free stuff. Did you say all that already? No. Uh, the after, after parties, ad-free Everyone's invited to the party. If you want to stop by, great. We'd be thrilled yeah. to see you. If you're not into it, that's okay. Yeah, that's totally fine. Um, Yeah, so you guys, you know what we're doing. Next girl, tell them where they can find us. They can find us at truecrimeobsessed.com. You got everything. And the, the promo codes. We get a lot of questions about promo codes for the yes. ads. That's all there. Oh, the merch. Tell them about the merch. You guys, we have so much new merch. Let the women do the work stuff. And yes. aside from how many like new designs, we're donating every single cent. Every yeah. single cent we're donating. So We've got like, don't be garbage. Let the women do the work. We've got no bitch stuff. We've got it's so much. Give it a goog. I think she's up there, totally. right? Give it a goog. Yeah. Give it a goog. Is there now? Go buy some stuff. We don't see a dime of it. We donated all of it to charity. We're donating to Black Lives Matter charities, LGBTQ animal charities, and women's rights organizations. So all of that money is going to do the good work in the world because God knows we just make a silly podcast. Yep. I mean, I'm a woman, so <laughs> my my good work for the day is just throwing my money at it and screaming. Yeah. <laughs> That's a girl. You got anything else for the people today? No, I think. That's it. I'm gonna get a. I'm gonna get a some more water. I can feel the vocal fry. I know. I can feel okay. it. I can feel it. I can hear it. <laughs> we love you, you guys. We we'll see you, you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. But there's a lot of like. I'm very embarrassed. I'm gonna lose 
business because of this. I and know. I'm like, can we have some compassion for what happened? No, it's just about your business. Okay, I'm so sorry. I should have known better. I'm just a dumb woman. God, I totally get it. No one's gonna vote for me. And that no, that was on the, that was a Patreon bit, wasn't it? That right. Was, yeah. Anyway, head to the Patreon if you want to hear me rant about why I'll never be elected for any kind of office Sheriff. ever. It has to yeah. all has to do with my stupid idiotic brain as a woman. Who cares? <laughs> it's the who cares that gets me every single time. <laughs> We're in the process of compile. We are in the process of compile. I can't say that word. It's compiling. Oh, my head hurts. My my head hurts. I don't even think there's electricity in the room. They're clacking away on typewriters. You've got this one guy working like one of those um one of those like telegraph machines. Yeah. And I was like, what? What? I was alive for this girl. I wasn't that old, <laughs> but I was alive. I was there. <laughs> <laughs>